0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at c3calgarywest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Charmaine, for those keys. And thank you... Bernard, the blessing machine, It's great. I have, a, I have an excellent board that um, are incredibly faithful and, and full of faith. And um, I've got, uh, there's three, I don't know how many there are, five of us, I guess, three engineers. And uh, whew, whew, you got to keep things straight. Um, happy Remembrance Day. got to be careful when you're hugging someone with a little pin there. Um, We're going to have a baptism service in a few moments. Um, So I want to, um, I just want to thank you all for coming this morning. I'm I'm, uh, in our third uh, in a series on um, Thy Kingdom Come. We had a little baby this last week, the Coverdale baby. (laughs) Excellent. That was very exciting. Thank you for all your comments on... um, the, uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been, uh, like, really, really encouraging for me. I've been rereading uh, the Gospels with a new um, set of eyes and uh, repenting as I go. All the comments except the one on the heretic, all, uh, other than that, but the other ones I'm really thankful for. Um, the idea, you know, for me is uh, I need to learn more about what it means to be a kingdom person. And something happened towards the end of both those services last week that felt like uh, the, the, the heaven and earth connection, it, they collided and uh, that prophetic declaration just kind of came from a very deep place in me. It sort of surprised me, but I, f- but I felt like that, that Matthew 24 piece where it says that this, king, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world and then the end will come. We need to get a revelation of the gospel of the kingdom and declare it. It comes to pass in two ways by by the declaration of it, but also being able to see the kingdom and the demonstration of kingdom life. The quality or this this dimension of life that we're invited to live in uh, that maybe we are not at this point. And if you wonder, is there more? There really is more. But it requires a little something of us, it doesn't happen automatically. And that's been my, my, my primary thrust, and um, so I just want to thank you for all of that. Let me pray, invite, invite into a little greater dimension of the Holy Spirit and not focus on, like, the snow and stuff. Father, we're just so grateful that your Spirit is here to teach us and lead us into truth. Fact is, we need to be led. So, Lord, we set our heart to follow today, and we thank you, Lord, that in the declaring The teaching, the preaching, and the reading of your word, there'll be revelation in hearts and minds right now. Father, we declare today our desire to see the kingdom come, and we ask, Lord, that you would give us those eyes to see in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. I'd like you to take your Bibles and uh, begin to uh, look at Matthew chapter uh, 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're discovering some things about the kingdom. We, we realize, after all, it is a game of thrones. That's what we discover. It really is a game of thrones. Who sits on the throne? And, um, and we also discovered that a kingdom requires three parts. The kingdom requires a king or a ruler. Uh, those being ruled, our subjects. And then rules or governing principles within that kingdom. So um, I'm going to differentiate and continue to differentiate the difference between... The Gospel of salvation and the Gospel of the Kingdom. Um, they're quite, they're quite uh, different from my perspective. Um, the kingdom of God is God's rule in time and eternity. God ruled before time. He will continue to rule after time. Um, so we need to look at what it means, what it means to even pray, "Your kingdom come." Matthew chapter 13 which would be probably one of the a key passage in us understanding kingdom life because it talks about how within the kingdom there are certain functions. One of those is how things work. The kingdom works like this. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. It starts with a seed, that seed, good seed in good soil. Then you nurture that seed and it grows into something. So he's. He's talking here about the, the farmer or the different, and the, the different types of soils. Um, I think that you would find, and I, as I see, almost and maybe every one of the parables are parables about the kingdom. They're not parables about salvation. If you, if you read the parables as being uh, stories about salvation, it will confuse the work of the atonement because it'll look like we're saved by works. salvation is a gift. (laughs) Um, I'll just leave it at that, and explain it a little more maybe later on. Verse 11 of chapter 13. And then he explained to them, you have been permitted to understand the secrets, the NIV says, mysteries, of the kingdom of heaven, but others have not. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge, To so those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken from them. And that's why I tell you these stories, because people see what I do, but they don't really see. What a profound statement. They hear what I say, but they don't really hear and understand, which fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. It's incredible for me to review this and think I wonder if I'm one of those that see but don't see. I wonder wonder if I'm one of those that hear but don't hear. (laughs) Because apparently that's possible. That we can hear but not hear and understand. We can see but not see what's being said or what's being spoken. You can read through the, the rest of the chapter. Pardon me, it'll say there about here's another story, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then verse 31, another illustration, the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then further down, weeds and tears, and the kingdom of heaven is like, and you heard my meteorite story last week about a man who sold everything, had to sell everything, because the kingdom of God is expensive. Salvation is a gift, it's free. Kingdom life is expensive. It takes all we have. In in a moment, you're going to say amen, but right now, you're just thinking, I know, I am too. We're going to get into it a little bit here. Um, There's only one time that we see Jesus saying to seek something first, and he refers to the kingdom. There's no other time in the Gospels that he says makes that priority statement. So if he invites us to seek first the kingdom about everything else, my question is how are we doing at that? Because that's an invitation into a brand new dimension of life. I'm submitting to you that that some would say the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous. I'm not sure. Dr. Jim would say that the kingdom of God is about the rule of Christ and the kingdom of heaven about the resources of heaven. I'm not sure. Um, you read it and you discover it. It's mostly kingdom of heaven is used in Matthew more than the other gospels. But, but what we do know is that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom. And I have found in my life that I wished I would be able to see. say I seek the kingdom more than anything else. It's a priority decision. It doesn't just happen. It requires me seeking and then finding. It's not automatic. It's not outside of choice. It's, it's within the context of free will and decision. The kingdom will not happen automatically in your life, as I understand these scriptures to say So, let us look, first of all, at uh, after we've read this a little bit, and we're getting somewhat encouraged, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. This, it seemed like after Jesus was crucified and buried and then resurrected again, which we're going to have a picture of in a few moments, as Mike steps into the warm waters of baptism. We're having baptism the next service, too. I have to get into a cold pair of board shorts, you should feel somewhat sympathetic, uh, Jesus, he, he is having a 40-day conference, and chapter 1 of Acts, and verse 3 says, during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. That's interesting, right? Eh? I kind of thought he was with them the whole time, but he said time to time. Uh, mm-hmm. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. On these occasions, he talked to them about the kingdom of, of God he, he what what did Jesus come preaching he came declaring and preaching Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 the kingdom of God the kingdom is different than just salvation but we don't want to downplay salvation it's the access point of the entrance into the kingdom of God um, you'll see in verse 8 where where for many of us, in our journeys of walking with Christ, we wondered when's He coming again? Will it be before the tribulation, after the tribulation, during the tribulation, etc., etc., etc.? Just a whole bunch of discussion about the dates and the times of when's He going to return and set up this kingdom He refers to. In verse eight, he says, or verse seven says, "The Father has set these dates." The first, sorry, verse six. The apostles they're saying, "Lord." Uh, are you going to free Israel now and restore your kingdom? He says, the Father sets those dates, and they're not for you to know. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power, and then you will tell people about me everywhere. Here's what he's saying. He's saying he's taking the administration of his kingdom, and he's handing it over to his Holy Spirit. This is an important point for us to note. Why is it important? Is it because who's the king of the kingdom? Jesus, King of Kings. In eternity there's going to be one who rules in in the family of God and he's be identified as the Father, different than the King. It says in Corinthians that Jesus is going to hand the kingdom over to the Father. <clears throat> this is mind-blowing to me how this is even possible to happen. But we're told in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The spiritual dimension and the Holy Spirit's activity in kingdom life is critical for us to understand. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's a connection between God's kingdom and God's spirit. We looked last week at how the journey out of Egypt as slaves, out of, coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, which is a picture of baptism, but then they had to cross another river known as the Jordan River, which is a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a body of water, it was a constantly flowing river. John chapter 7 would say this, is that out of your innermost being will flow rivers, of living water. <clears throat> He's referring to the powerful experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and allowing us to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Here, here is my um, thoughts on that. The baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't to stand on the edge of the brook and just babble. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an immersion into the power of God for conquest into the land of promise. It's to advance you. Um, you need to, when you're praying in the Spirit, you need to be allowing the Holy Spirit to be transforming your mind and your thoughts. There's some times where I'll just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit until I see pictures. Pictures. I don't get bright pictures, I get little pictures, and as I keep praying, they get brighter, or I'll get a prompting. How do we have access to the kingdom? By the Holy Spirit. The activity of moving, as we're people of promise. To get saved, you have now the potential of living within the promise. It doesn't mean that that's automatically gonna happen. It was at this point that someone called me a heretic last week, right about there. But here's what I found. I found that accepting Christ did not answer all my problems. I had to continue walk out my relationship with Christ until the darkness continued and it still is continuing to go. You may have came to Christ and you found that, wow, still got a temper. Yeah, no problem. That's what the wilderness was all about. It could be said about all the giants that were in the land, did they have to, he said, the land's yours, go take it. Uh, but you're going to have to fight for it. Each one of those giants were probably pictures of activities of the flesh that need to be dealt with as we walk out our faith until we get to the place of promise. Canaan was a place of promise. You may not be living within the place of promise. You may be living off day-to-day survival, off, this, off just the, the, the seeds that are landing in the desert, out in the wilderness, and it may be causing you to want something a little better. <laughs> That's good, because that's the life of the kingdom. All right. Out of the the context, out of the environment of a slave who just wants to please the master. Different than being a son and inheriting the promise. I think one of the great paradoxes of the kingdom is we think the Holy Spirit is a doer. He's not, he's a helper. He'll come along with you and help you, but you got to take some steps. See, I told you I'd get you amen and a nodding. But I just, what's what I'm saying is that we sometimes think, well, Lord, if you want it done, well, you'll just do it, right? No. He requires somebody with faith to engage the power of the Holy Spirit and the resources of heaven and begin to walk them out in real time. So, this is the, how this is the Holy Spirit coming alongside us and empowering us to fulfill the Word of God by faith, by faith, step by step in our life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's extremely encouraging to me. Let's just look at the kingdom and the church and the gospel. Um, it was, it's just going to be a matter of time until someone writes me or comes up to me and says that Paul said that we're not to preach any other gospel. It hasn't happened yet. I was waiting for it. It hasn't happened. <sighs> so let me just say what I think to help us understand that uh, just a little bit more. Is there more than one gospel? Well, you read the, the gospels. Um, there was a term coined early in the days of the charismatic movement called full gospel. Um, the churches in Calgary were called Full Gospel Churches, and um, it meant it was it was it was meant to identify those that embraced the charismata, gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of grace, charisma. It was those who embraced not just the gospel of salvation, but an experience subsequent to salvation. The people who were the full gospel was accepting Christ as Savior and then being immersed and baptized and walking in the life of the Spirit. That's what it was meant. Let me, let me, let me just make a little adjustment to that. I remember, I remember when I, I, I told somebody I'm part of the full gospel church, their question to me was, is there a half gospel? <laughs> I won't tell you what I said. Um, but anyway, uh, for our use here, I want to apply the full gospel to mean the gospel of atonement and the kingdom in full expression together. Let me say it like this. There's one gospel with two faucets. One gospel. The gospel is God's rule, the kingdom, and atonement, the saving, freeing power of the blood of Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection because of the rebellion of mankind. God's always been God, and he has always reigned as God. But to reinstate mankind required the sacrifice of his son, Jesus The gospel of atonement. And um, the only time in Jesus' earthly ministry that he spoke of these together was in Matthew chapter 16. And I want us to turn there because this has been a headquarters for me for many sermons and I found it a little bit more revealing as I read it this time because because where you're at depends on what the Bible will say to you, right? It's living. You can read the same passage in a different season of your life and it'll, it'll say a different thing. I preach the most sermon, more sermons on this than any other passage, I think. But he's asking people, who do you say that I am? And this is interesting to me because it's the only time that he put the kingdom and the church in the same, uh, in the same dialogue. And he says, well, because, he says, well, you're the son of the living God. He says, you've been blessed because the Father in heaven revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from a human being. We can't learn that from a human being. It has to come by revelation. Now I say to you, you're, you're, you're Peter, Petros, and, and on you I will build my church. I love, I love this. And the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He says three things about his church. First of all, it's his. Secondly, that he's the one that's building it. This is fantastic. And it's guaranteed success is the third thing. I don't have much room to rock, walk around, do I? <laughs> Running into walls and barriers and mud flaps. Um, He's the owner, he's the builder, and the and the and the church is an unstoppable force on the earth. That's what he states. I love that. But he goes a little bit further, and he makes a heaven and earth connection as well as a church and a kingdom connection. So where do they fit? This is important to note. He says that I'm going to build the church, uh, my church, and the powers of hell won't conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What is it? he he didn't say I'm going to give you keys to the church. I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom. Kingdom and church are different. Kingdom has always been. It's always complete. It's the rule and reign of God. But the church is being built. It's not finished yet. Ahem. The heaven and earth, where do they fit? He never said, Peter, on you I will build my kingdom. So on, on, on this revelation of who Jesus is, he'll build a church. This is how you grow too, by revelation of Jesus. Next week, we'll probably pray for healing. I declare we're going to have a healing and deliverance service, and someone says when. I said, I, that came out before I could edit that. I don't know. But I guess I better follow through. Um, do you know Jesus as healer? If you, you may know him just as Savior, but you can know him as healer as well. Which would be a great revelation. Your life is built. I'm going to talk about these keys now because, and let me, this is quite th- thrilling. He said he would build his church and he would give the members of the church keys to the kingdom. That's what it says. I'm going to, on, on this revelation of who, who I am, who Jesus is, I, I'm going to build my church and I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom as a member of that church. It's based on the revelation of Jesus. Um, so the church and the kingdom are not synonymous. One is not the other, and, and they're not equivalent. The word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia. It means the gathered ones. <laughs> when, when I see people who listen to uh, all their teaching on YouTube, I say, ah, oh, it's too bad you're not part of the church, because the church is gathered. Yeah, 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 no, I am, yeah, whatever. Who's your Who's your pastor? What's the postal code of your church? Oh, it's your house. Oh, nice. So cute. (laughs) Don't get me started. So the ecclesia is, that term is used 111 times in the New Testament, 62 times in the epistles, and 20 times in Revelation. Paul was crazy wild about the church. Jesus was crazy wild about the kingdom. The word for kingdom as basilica, it appears 140 times, 109 times in the gospel. So, so when we read the gospels, you're essentially going to see that what Jesus was continually declaring was the kingdom. Paul later would continually talk about the church. The kingdom has existed from eternity while the church is, was birthed either from the side of Christ or at Pentecost. But, but, the, but the kingdom existed before the church did. Are you following my... All right. The kingdom already existed. The church is being built. It's under construction. The, ki- the kingdom is perfect. The church is being perfected. The church fits into the kingdom, but not vice versa. The church is not complete without the kingdom, but the kingdom is completed by the church that Jesus Christ is building. It's very possible that the keys promised are how the church is built. What are we doing with the keys we'd be given? Let me just talk about the keys for a nanosecond. Uh, The keys imply at least three things. They imply ownership. When our kids got old enough, we gave them the key to the house. Why? Why? Because keys are access. The other thing that happens with keys is they imply authority. Now you've got keys, doesn't mean you can drive, it might, but we're given keys of access, ownership. When you become, when you uh, are part of uh, a business owner, a house owner, you're given a set of keys. Are you following me? I'm just saying the key, keys have, they, they function in, in a few different ways. But something's, something, here's, here's the implication if you got keys, something's been placed behind a door. Jesus is the door. But something's been placed behind the door. It's safe to say that God has nothing that's not accessible under certain conditions for His children. That's safe to say. Um, The truth here is that all kingdom authority comes with responsibility. The greater the key, the greater the responsibility. Um, I I think he he says, "I want you to note that he says there's keys. It's plural. It's like you've been given a key ring for the kingdom, a whole bunch of keys." I think this is thrilling. It's for the kingdom. all we need for every earthly problem is on that key ring. You could even say that sometimes a problem is a key. Because when you face a problem or a difficulty, here's what keys do two things they either give access to or exit from. So they either give you access into a place of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, and they give you exit from a difficulty or a challenge. I'm gonna just lock that up on there behind me. I'm not gonna let that keep following me in this season of life. What if, what if you face a problem when you face a problem that all of a sudden you find a new dimension of who God is for you, and you step into a brand new realm of faith because that problem actually was accessed into a place of strength and purpose and power you never knew you had before. Just, you know, we have to redefine problems as the, the threshold for promotions because you're just about to enter into a new dimension of who God can be for you. So so he gives us keys, uh, both to enter into Revelation and exit from chaos. Uh, My last point, it's possible to see the invisible. Matthew chapter 13, sorry, I'm gonna go to John chapter three, where this is an amazing thing for me. And most of you have read this much of your life. I know I have, but it seemed to me to become much more real this last, Uh, Week, Uh, John chapter three and verse three, Jesus said, "I assure you." When Jesus says, "I assure you," it means that he's assuring us. (laughs) Unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. He says that there's our ability. We're gonna we're gonna be given an ability to see the kingdom, but what's required is that our spiritual eyes get opened. We can see but not see, is what Jesus said earlier, right? Uh, What do you mean by this? Can a man step into his mom's womb again and uh, whatever? Jesus said in verse 5, the truth is nobody can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reduce human life, but only the Holy Spirit can produce new life from heaven. I assure you, I assure you that unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. Um, Will you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal a brand new perspective of life? It's kind of the question. Well, will you allow him to open your spiritual eyes to be able to see and have a sighting of the kingdom of God at work? Will you, and he says, the way that we're able to see is to admit that we can't. So those that think that they can see, they're already blind. But, but repentance is a way of seeing where we say, okay, look, I thought that was this way, but maybe there's another way. I had a, I had a good run at offending a lot of people when I talked about food and drink a couple weeks ago. If I were to say to you this morning, I, I read, a, I read a, a, a significant research paper that says that you don't need more than one cup of water a day, some would you go, yes. Some of you go, I can't, no, why well, you? We, we believe that you need lots of water. Some of you, you're like, you're not sure what you think about water, but, but what's the point here? The point is, are you willing to see from a different perspective? Not about hydrating your body. <laughs> but I'm just saying, sometimes we get stuck into a certain way of thinking, and we can't even see another way. And he says, once you're born again, you actually have ability, if you're going to use it or not, to see into a, another dimension. And... And that's what I'm inviting us to. Let's not be confused about the kingdom on earth. It's manifested through his church by his Holy Spirit, who works in partnership with his blood-bought body, the bride of Jesus Christ, as co-heirs of the king. When we perceive and see the kingdom, that the, the door of entrance is, we can step into a new dimension of life. Let me wrap up with this. The last three sermons have been none other than a plea to our church for the reenthronement of Christ as king for the reinstatement of God's dominion through the church and the headship of Jesus Christ, the reassurance of the Lord's dominion in this insurgent world. Well, then this kingdom reclamation, may it be the reestablishment of his royal gospel in light of our rebellion that the Almighty King has not outlawed us, but he's loved us with an everlasting love to be assured that notwithstanding our moral uncleanness The pure and the holy one is not ashamed to welcome you into his kingdom with open arms. What, my friends, could be better news? What could be better? There could be nothing better. Your sin can't keep you from coming to Christ. It can keep you from life in the kingdom. You actually have to admit and be okay with being sinful. That gives us access to salvation. But in order to walk in kingdom dimensions and kingdom life, it requires certain standards and governing principles to live the life of the kingdom. I hope this has been a little bit stimulating to your sanctified minds. I know for me it's been a fresh, a fresh look because I've been a little frustrated saying, how come saved people act that way? Oh, they're not living in the kingdom. They're not actually enjoying the benefits of salvation. So here's what happens. If you, if, you, if you come to Christ and you think everything, everything is going to be looked after and it doesn't automatically, you've only got two choices. Either renounce salvation or renounce that the gospel didn't have the power for the transformation. And then the other alternative would be to start living by works. I better do more. I better try harder. The best picture of the gospel, I think, is Hebrews chapter 4 says, is about we can enter into a place of rest and peace and joy and not striving to find a place of rest. Just bow your heads with me as I close. Father, I thank you for this profound gospel of your kingdom. And as you continue to give us little light beams from heaven, I pray that you would create within us a great hunger to know you and walk with you and desire kingdom life. Lord, let us be declarers of your kingdom as we build your church with the keys that you give us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to get ready for a baptism. We're going we're to demonstrate life in the kingdom. I think we have a song. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.